morning. Glad to see you. Uh, if you have your Bible, you can turn to John chapter 6, verse 35. We'll be looking there first in a moment. I apologize in advance. Apparently, my computer liked uh, my PowerPoint presentation. Our computer at church does not. And so we'll get through this week, and we'll make sure it's better next week when we get to it. This week, we're looking at, in his words, letting Jesus speak for himself. And we're starting with a, a beginning a new series, and this week, Greek one is, I am the bread of life. The world has always offered its own version of fulfillment and sustenance. But in Jesus' own words, we find that he is the only true source of nourishment in life. When we find ourselves settling for counterfeit versions of fulfillment, we will always find ourselves spiritually hungry. Will you pray with me? Dear Heavenly Father, We thank you for this day and for your word that guides us. Open our eyes to see the false promises of this world and our hearts to fully embrace the satisfaction found only in you. Guide us and teach us and let your Holy Spirit convict us. We pray in Jesus' holy name. Amen. In John chapter 6, verse 35, Jesus speaks these words. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. We look at these passages of Scripture, and I am reminded of a quote by C.S. Lewis, I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy. The only logical explanation is that I was made for another world. Isn't that true? We are only strangers passing through, the song says. And I pray that you would see that today and understand that Jesus is the only satisfaction we had. So I welcome you again to church, and I'm glad that you're here. Have you ever wondered what Jesus might say to us today? How would he handle our politics? How would he manage a broken relationship? What would he say about social media and school lockdowns? And what issues I'm sure he would love to weigh in, don't you think? If he could speak to us like he spoke to the disciples. But thankfully, I believe the Bible is relevant no matter what century it is, no matter time it is. And many of Jesus' own words are memorialized for us in this Holy Scripture. And many of us know that to be true. In his own words, I think we find comfort. We find relief in those words. We find help and health. I think the strength and guidance we need for every situation we may encounter can be found in this word. I think Jesus tells us that when he says, I'm the bread of life. When we read his words, we are filled with what we need. And that's why I'm excited about this four-week study in his own words, in his words. We're going to look at four I am statements over the next few weeks. Today, again, it's the I am the bread of life, and you've seen that already. I I think that Jesus is still working in our world today, don't you? He's not given up on the world. He's not thrown it out and let it go by itself. He still is actively involved in your life and my life, and I think he speaks to the world. He speaks to a world that is unsatisfied. He speaks to a world that is hungry for something else. It's not found in the world. And I think that quote by C.S. Lewis reminds me again and again, I'm made for another world 
Something out there extra that this world doesn't offer is what my soul longs for. It longs for understanding. It longs for compassion. It longs for love. And in Jesus, I find all those things. So when I look at that quote by C.S. Lewis, I find in myself desires which nothing in this world can satisfy. The only logical explanation is I was made for another world. I think Jesus would say he does that for us, fills us, both spiritually and physically. I think he fills us up when he says, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. I want you to open your hearts today in the next few weeks as we look at these I am statements, as we navigate through the world of God, as we navigate through the world's illusions and distractions, because that's all they really are illusions and distractions from what really is important and what really is real, the spiritual world that Jesus came to peel back and reveal to us. We find in Jesus, the bread of life, our true sustenance. So let's look at the first point, the bread of life. I think that that picture of the bread of life is a powerful metaphor. Teresa and I were watched that British baking show. I talked to some of y'all about that yesterday. We like that show. We, you know, it's, it, it's, it, we like bread, first of all, and we love to bake. And so it's really fun for us to watch them. Yesterday, as we watched the show, I, I thought it was interesting, especially in light of this message. They had a, a series on how bread came to the world. And they showed how in ovens that people had baked in the ground and how they put firewood and then a piece of of, uh, rock or something on top of that to make basically the stone to cook in. They showed how they ground the bread and then put the little blob of bread on that, that hot rock and then baked that bread. And that was the first kinds of things that people in Egypt made in the first sense of bread. But they said bread was the defining characteristic of history in human experience. Well, what does that mean? It means that people began to make bread, and once they made bread, they said, you know, we need to have a place to make this on a regular basis, and so they made a place to live, and in that place they made to live, they started to plant crops, they started to get all the other things together, then they said, you know, it'd be safer if we had a community, we could keep this wheat a little bit easier, and so they began to build it, and so they suggested historically it was bread that was a defining factor in human experience. Well, you and I know, I think that's true, except it's the bread of life. He is the defining factor in human existence. He makes everything possible, and he is the one who fills us. Jesus, the bread of life, nourishes and sustains souls. I think it's a metaphor that's not just about physical hunger, but it it speaks to a spiritual deep hunger within us that that emptiness that hole that exists within every human being that thirsts for something more that this world just doesn't give again in the ancient world food uh in the form of bread was a staple it was a basic it was a necessity so when jesus declares he's the bread of life he's saying he's essential for our spiritual life he's the basis for our spiritual life Without him, our souls starve, just like we would starve without necessities physically and eating. But Jesus is saying we would wither, we would come apart just like our bodies would without physical food. We all know the feeling of hunger and satisfaction. 
Now, maybe you've not been hungry most of your life, but occasionally you've probably been hungry and felt like you could eat a horse, right? Well, this kind of idea that Jesus is not talking about a temporary satisfaction. I may put off a meal or two. I may drive a little bit longer and skip lunch until I eat dinner that night. But Jesus is not talking about a temporary thing. He's talking about a permanent thing that will last forever. He says we'll never hunger or thirst again. It's not temporary. It's not passing. And that's the promise of, uh, of a spiritual fulfillment that the world cannot offer. The promise is of ultimate fulfillment. The world can't offer that. The world offers McDonald's, Right? it's here today and gone tomorrow. The world offers things that are temporary, but Jesus saying never hunger and never thirst. And he's talking about that place in your heart that longs for something more. The world offers many things that they say will satisfy. Things that will supposedly fill the emptiness within. It offers wealth, success. It offers power. It offers pleasure. But these things that the world offers us, it says will make us happy, we know don't. As many of us have experienced, these things often leave us empty and unsatisfied. Once we get a hold of it, it's like, did I really need that? Have you ever gone to the store and bought something and brought it back home, set it on the counter, unwrapped it, looked at it, and went, huh, maybe I didn't really need that. Or maybe I've got one already. Maybe I thought this would be better. It was newer. It was different. But it didn't really fulfill you as much as you thought it would. I had a friend who uh, I worked with a number of years in in finance. And unfortunately, his wife had uh, what is called a disease. And that disease was she could not stop shopping. I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. He, he, his credit cards would be maxed out. She would go out and hide things. They were hidden in the attic. They were hidden under the bed. They were hidden in the closet. They were hidden in the garage. And, you know, he just cut her off from everything that he physically could because she could not stop shopping for everything. You know, it, 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 he said he just didn't know how to handle it. She could not find fulfillment even in something like that drove him to the brink of bankruptcy because of that disease that was within her. With all these things that the world offers, still it leaves us hungry and thirsty again. But in contrast, you have Jesus. He offers himself to us, the bread of life. And just as physical bread gives us energy and strength that we need, so Jesus gives us spiritual nourishment so that we can live a life of faith. He feeds our soul with the word of life. He feeds our soul with his love. He feeds our soul with his grace. He feeds our soul with his presence. And the very presence of God is with you. Christ in you, right? He's with you. He lives in you. And because of that, he strengthens our weaknesses. And we have plenty of them, don't we? Plenty of faults, plenty of things that we fall short of. And he helps us in those weaknesses. He comforts us in our sorrows. And he guides us in our confusion. He is the source of all spiritual life. Colossians tells us everything came from him. Everything was born from him. And he holds everything together. He sustains us physically 
and he sustains us in our spiritual journey as well. When Jesus says that he is the bread of life, we have to know deep down it's not just a metaphor. Although it suggests something to us, it is reality. When we come to Jesus and we believe in him, we experience a life-giving experience that never goes away. It's the ultimate for what we need. We waste nothing in Jesus. But what we do is taste what he is indeed. And what is he but good? And what we find is a deep satisfaction that the world cannot offer. In his book, the best-selling book, Into Thin Air, John Krauker relates a hazard that some climbers have when they begin to scale Mount Everest. I, I don't know if you've ever watched anybody do it, but it's so dangerous and you have to prepare physically to get up there because the air is so thin that if you tried to do it without preparation, you would collapse. And along the way, they, they have stations where people can rest and, and get used to and acclimate themselves as they go through the climb. He tells a story of Andy Harris, one of the expedition leaders who was at the peak and had stayed at the peak too long, and it began to affect the way that he was breathing. And as he came down on the descent, they're, they're talking to him on a radio, trying to help him as he gets down. But at one point, he becomes so much in need of oxygen, they can hear him panting and breathing and hyperventilating as he's trying to make his way down off Mount Everest. He radioed to the base camp and he told them about his predicament. And as they came down, he said, I came across a cache of oxygen bottles that people had left, but they're empty. But the people who had gone before Andy said, we left those for you on purpose. They're full. Open them up. No, they're empty. And he began to argue with them. They pleaded with him on the radio to make use of it, but it was to no avail. Harris was starved for oxygen in his brain, and he continued to argue that the canisters were empty. The problem was the lack of what he needed had so disoriented his mind that he thought he was surrounded by something that could not give him life and he complained about its absence. The very thing that held what he needed was right in front of him. But because he could not get the oxygen, he could not recognize what is there. Friends, I think what oxygen is to the body, the bread of life is to the soul. It gives us what we need. Many of us are, are suffocating and starving spiritually because we've not availed ourselves of the bread of life. We think that we have Jesus figured out and yet he is right there wanting to fill us and not wanting us to fill ourselves with what the world offers. Trying to appease ourselves with things that don't satisfy. Number two, the world's false promises. Unlike Jesus, we, we look at the world and it makes promises that simply do not come true. These false promises are, are persuasive and they're persuasive to us. They're all around us. They're alluring. They come in many forms that can be found of what we talked about before in pursuit of wealth, looking for things, looking for power, fame, pleasure, uh, even knowledge and wisdom sometimes can be a, a treadmill that we, we go on trying to find fulfillment. I've watched people go through who, uh, classes, through education, attempting to get one degree after another, hoping that the next degree will be what they need in their life, only to find it didn't do what they thought it would. 
The world tells us we have just enough money, if we have just enough power, if we have enough popularity, if we get enough pleasure, if we just know enough of anything, it'll truly satisfy us. We falsely believe that if we have enough, we'll be enough. And that's false. The harsh reality is that the world worldly pursuits often leave us feeling empty and dissatisfied we've reached for it we've grabbed it and like the the show says on on soap operas like the sands of time they just slip through our fingers and we can't grab hold of it the pursuits of wealth can lead to greed materialism the pursuit of power can lead to corruption and tyranny. The pursuit of fame can lead to vanity and narcissism. The pursuit of pleasure can lead to hedonism and addiction. And the pursuit of knowledge and wisdom can lead to arrogance and pride. You have all seen people who have given in to those. You can even imagine some people, famous people and people you know yourself. I think these worldly pursuits are transient in their feeling. They, they don't last. They can't last. Wealth can be lost, right? Remember the stock market and the drop? I remember people were getting ready to retire. Uh, I was working at the Baptist Foundation, and the, the president at the time was getting ready to retire, and all of a sudden that, that Black Friday hit, and the stock market dropped. And all of a sudden he didn't think he could retire any longer, and so did a lot of other people. I've watched it before. I remember when one of the foundations collapsed because it was speculating on a land in Arizona. And I remember the Arizona Foundation collapsed and people lost almost everything they had. Years later, eventually through lawsuits, they got 80% of it back. But it took years for that to happen. Wealth can be lost. We look at things, pleasure becomes dull, you it was fun once, no longer it is. And wisdom, what's true today we find out is not true tomorrow. Something else has been found out to replace it. And that's why we look at, at 1 John two seventeen. The world and its desires pass away, but whoever does the will of God lives forever. Is that not true? It all passes away. It's all transient. It's illusion and deception. False promises pass away, but the promises of God never fade. Never. He never lies, and he fills his promises. St. Augustine, a respected Christian theologian, once said, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our hearts are restless until they rest in you. Until we find our peace in Jesus, we'll never really be complete or full i think that quote captures the essence of what our human condition really is we were created by god for god and our hearts are restless until they rest in him until he fills our heart with himself we're never really going to feel filled it's not going to happen the world's false promises can't satisfy our hearts because they're not aligned with our purpose have you ever tried to put together one of those um, uh, IKEA-type shelves? You know? you know, you can buy them at Walmart, too. And they've got 
certain slot A, slot B, and whatever. It never fails. I always put it together backwards to start with and have to take it apart and put it back. I, you know, I, I, I read the directions, or at least I thought I did, and put it together. And there gets to be some places sometimes where you go, this just simply does not fit. And you just, it just doesn't work. I think the world is like that. It doesn't fit. The only thing that fits is God. As we navigate through the world's false promises, I think let us remember the words of Jesus in Matthew 6, But seek ye first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We have to seek the kingdom of God first. We have to look out for him and his righteousness first. In him we find true fulfillment, we find purpose, we find happiness, but it's only in him alone. False promises. We live in the era of false promises, don't we? I think when you think about it, nations sign important treaties and then they break them. Many couples show little regard for their wedding vows, don't they? In, in, in this kind of society, we who are God's people have to be known for keeping our promises. Again, the the brilliant scholar and writer C.S. Lewis wrote these words uh, when he determined he was trying to do something. And he tells in his biography a vow that he made to a friend. It was during World War I. And in the war, he, he said to his friend, if you die, I will help your family. The man would not let C.S. Lewis uh, go until he promised to look after his family. So C.S. Lewis made the promise. Sure enough, during the war, his, his friend died. And then he came to try to help his wife. True to his word, he offered to help her. But the woman was ungrateful. She was rude. She was arrogant. She was domineering. But through it all, C.S. Lewis kept forgiving her. He refused to let her actions become an excuse to renege on his promise to his friend, even though she was not grateful he would keep his promise. Aren't you glad that the world that makes and breaks promises so easily is not like your Savior? Jesus never breaks his promises even when we are ungrateful, even when we are arrogant, even when we are prideful and rude and domineering, he does not give up on us. He will keep his promise to save you and to keep you, no matter what you do. Number three, the satisfaction of Christ. I think the satisfaction of Christ is, is profound. It's life-changing. It's, it's world-altering. We find in the Gospel of John those words again, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. He offers a satisfaction the world cannot give. So what is the context of that statement? If you go back and look in John, you'll see that Jesus has just fed 5,000. He had five loaves and two fishes, a miraculous sign of his divine power as he began to break those up and the disciples began to share them. The people were amazed at what he had done. And why wouldn't you be? If you could do that. And they began to follow him. Not because they understood who he was or what he did. They only followed him because of the bread. They began to follow him around that lake back and forth. Where Jesus was they wanted to be because they might get food again. 
Remember the era in which he lived, the Roman occupation, and how hard it was to get food. It wasn't that Jesus did not want to fill them, but he was trying to teach a lesson that day, I am the bread of life. Not physical bread, but spiritual bread. And by that, he used that miracle to teach them. The bread offers not just physical, but spiritual filling. Yes, we hunger. Yes, we thirst. And God provides for us. But I think this profound shift mentally takes something for us to think about. 